and welcome. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are listening to the Two Beers Please podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Yannick. Along with me, as always, is my bud, Matthew Phillips. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm good, dude. I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm pretty, actually, I'm pretty, I'm doing pretty damn well. Been, uh, just talked to you about this, been, been getting after it in the gym. I'm ready for some hot boy summer. Vaxed and waxed. I saw that vaxed and waxed is a thing that's going around. I probably won't get waxed, but I, I am almost completely vaxed. Uh, so I'm ready to go. Uh, and like, you know, obviously things aren't a hundred percent back to normal and safe and still precautions and stuff, but I'm I'm looking forward to the summer and hopefully being able to have, you know, a little bit more fun than last summer where it felt like it was like you can still like do stuff, but you're like, no, I can't really hang out with you. And so hoping that we get to actually enjoy the summer a little bit more this year. You know, I got Chet Hanks, White Boy Summer out the other day, just the the anthem of the the year. I, I love blasting that dumbass song, but it's also one of those things where I'm like, I don't feel really comfortable saying white boy summer it doesn't seem very uh inclusive it's not as inclusive as i'd like my summer to be so i'll stick i'll stick with hot boy summer hot boy summer i love that this is truly gonna be a hot boy summer i got the invite to my buddy's uh bachelor weekend uh at the end of the summer so that's what i gotta i am you know i i agree everything's not back yet but like Come late July, I gotta get, I gotta be ready because it's gonna, yeah. it's gonna be. Do you, know, do you know where you guys are going? Um, I don't a hundred percent know yet, but I do know there will be nature involved, like some kind of kayaking, some kind of like out in the woods kind of stuff. Like so that. yeah, me too. It's gonna be, it's gonna be classic. I think it's gonna, you know, I I, I need to check the information more. I just got the invite and I was like, oh yeah, let's go. It's gonna be fun. I respect what anyone does on their bachelor party, but I am one of those sort of douchebags where I'm like, my bachelor party will be in Las Vegas. It just, it's going to be. I'm, hey. I don't care if it's cliche. I don't like it. That's where it's going to be. Hey, I love that. I love that. Because you know what? Everyone needs a friend like that because you want an experience like that. Even if your bachelor parties, you want to go to one in Las Vegas. That's got to yeah. be on the bucket list. Exactly. That's got to be on the bucket list. It's kind of nice that, like, I mean, I guess I don't really know what bachelor parties used to be like, but I feel like guys more now are being like, yeah, let's do kind of whatever. Like, we don't have to do, we don't have to do the Vegas thing, but you're right. You want to have at least, at least one friend that, uh, that'll, I'm going to have a huge bachelor party, so you're welcome to come, Yannick. Oh, great. Amazing. You're invited. This is your, this is your invite. Yes. I'll put it on the calendar for whenever. Um, (laughs) Don't hold your breath. (laughs) um no i am uh yeah i i don't know what i would do for my bachelor party part of me wants to do something crazy like hey the seven of us are gonna go skydiving and that's gonna be our bachelor party that would be dope that would be dope right just like let's jump out of a plane before i start this new chapter of my life um And if I die, I guess it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, there you go. That way I know. You know, there's no, like, there's no questions uh, involved. Oh, boy. If my future uh, my future wife's listening, I don't know what I'm talking about. Now. Yeah. JK, honey. Well, I mean, God, I hope no, I hope no one planning on skydiving is uh, planning on dying. I feel, like, I feel like if you're going skydiving, you should probably have the, the mindset that you're going to survive. You think that's happened before? That someone's like, ah, uh, well... I'm going to just 
skydive and that's how it'll end. And then roll the dice. Whoo. Oh gosh. Let's move off for that topic. Um, you know what we, as always follow our sites. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. The number two BP underscore podcast, Instagram at two beers, please underscore podcast spelled out letters wise. And obviously you can listen to this podcast on anchor, Spotify, iTunes review and subscribe, you know, get your friends to listen to us too. The summer is coming. Playoffs for all the leagues are coming up. So we're going to just be talking, talking NFL draft coming up here soon. But today we are recapping the Masters as a new champ was crowned. Alex and Aldridge both retire. We say goodbye to two really good players from different sports. And the soccer world may never be the same after the announcement of the Euro Super League. Very excited to talk about that. And by excited, I mean you guys are going to hear me very angry, which is fine. You know, that's what we're here for. Which is... Here's the biggest thing with that thing is, has there been any reaction by any fan support any that isn't just like anger and annoyance? Like, I, nope. I don't know how like you can announce something, have you know, the whole collective of the following be like, well, this is fucking stupid and still be like, let's go. Let's keep going with this plan. We'll get yeah. into it. I mean, there's a reason for that and we'll get into it. But uh, I also want to say uh, a little we're not going to talk about it, obviously, too much. But Scotty Pippen lost his son. Uh, the other day, which was really sad. So we just want to give our condolences and respect to Antron Pippen and his family. Uh, rest in power, young man. Sorry to see you go um, at such a young age. It's, it's it's very sad. So our our thoughts are with Scotty Pippen today, for sure. Always, always sad to see that. And then, you know, have to also give a little love to the great Helen McCrory, who passed away after a, a, a very private battle with cancer as well. Um, a tremendous, tremendous actress. Uh, if you haven't seen Peaky Blinders, which I think most people have, she's just like the quintessential dope crime matriarch for that family. And uh, she, I mean, she's got a ton of great work. So very, very sad to hear about her passing as well. Yeah, man. Uh, it's life a little bit. You know, you, people live, people die. Uh, another kind of Helen McCrory. Yeah. Another private battle with cancer, cancer, right? Like Chadwick Boseman too. Like kind of. Yeah. And that just, I mean, you know respect in any situation for anything anyone's going through but you know to just be going through that and not anyone really know that's oh that's so hard that takes such when you're especially when your life just like inherently is in the public eye to like go through such a tough battle and like i mean you know cancer it it's not like you go through cancer and you look the same like that that shit takes everything out of you as possible so yeah it is it it's uh I mean, anyone battling with cancer is commendable, but you know, to we we wish them the best. There's I, there's not much more I can say besides that. Yeah, so we'll just move on. Uh, let's get into some fun before we get back into the into the debate topic. Uh, what are we drinking today, Matt? We've been off for a week, uh, and we are back with buds and with beers. What are we drinking? I went kind of lame, but I'm I'm reading this this World War II book about a young Italian spy which is super dope. So um, I guess dope is my word of the day, but I say that shit a lot. So whatever. Dope. Um, dope. I, it is 420. So it, it, hey. it, it works. Um, but uh, so I'm, I'm sipping on a Peroni. I was inspired by my, uh, my Italian World War II spy guy and uh, picked up a Peroni, which I always like Peroni. But I think, I think my favorite thing about like drinking like a Peroni or a Heineken and like is the mo- like most of the like – European domestic beers that are like popular in America, they all kind of just taste the same. Like you can find great like beers from those countries here, but like, you know, 
the, the big name ones are like, this is basically the same beer. But you know, that can be said true for ours as well. But yeah, I got a Peroni. What are you sipping on? Oh, I'm sick, sipping on a, you know, kind of in in uh, honor of my friend's bachelor weekend being uh, established. I'm sipping on a PBR, baby. That's right. I'm oh, sipping yeah. on a Pabst Blue Ribbon. Uh, it's great. You know, I assumed it was actually from Iowa in college just because of the, you know, just because of, of the pervasiveness of it in Iowa city. Uh, it's actually, it's actually from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, it's actually the, this, this, the, uh, I guess the hub of it is currently based in Los Angeles, like everyone else. But, uh, yeah, it's originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's named after Frederick Pabst, who ran the company from 1860 to 1904. There's a little history lesson for you. And uh, fun fact, Matthew, Pabst Blue Ribbon was my carpet in college. So that, that's, that was my interior decorating back really? in the day. Uh, just, <laughs> yeah, not, I just, I just mean like, I just felt like I came out in the living room and at all times there was a couple cans here and there on the ground. Just it wasn't over. Yeah. I was, that I was here. Sense. I lived with four guys, you know, in college and like, it was just, that's how it was. It was either that or, or Bush light. It was one of the two. There's always some cans on the ground. That's, uh, it was always funny. My, my, actually the guy who's getting, uh, who's getting married, his girlfriend would come over all the time. And I would know when she was over because the place would look so spotless. Actually because she, good. oh yeah, because she would come in and be like, "What kind of, what kind of hell are you all living in? This is not where I will be staying for the, for the weekend, you, you bigs." Uh, so sometimes even just having a buddy have a girlfriend is nice because like then they want it to look nicer, so they'll be a little cleaner. Uh, right. Yeah. It, it helps. It does help for sure. Um, so yeah, drinking a Pabst, happy as always when I'm drinking one. And with that, we will move right into the Masters. In a that would be uh, that would be a really good slogan for a beer. Oh yeah, happy as happy as always while drinking one. Happy as always. Happy. Well, there you go. Keep Maybe that a better way to have it roll off the tongue. But I, I like happy as always. Yeah. Heineken, happy as always. That that works great. I like it a lot. I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch that to every beer company. Just like it works with everyone. Once we once we start getting your beer companies to pay us, we're like we even have your lines for you. Right. We'll we're doing all the work. There you go. Yeah. Cheers, y'all could be the slogan for like a, a a beer. Yeah. That would they would have to pay us a lot for that one though. They would have yeah. to. That would have to really. That would have to be like a five five figure contract to like That's- really take that over. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Crazy, that could work for that could work for anyone so like we got it we will start a bidding more with that shit oh yeah nfts move aside um no but <laughs> let's talk masters golf action obviously uh happened more than it wasn't this weekend it was last weekend but we're talking it anyway oh, we really had shit to do last weekend so we get off our back we had shit to do. That's right. We're multifaceted human beings with lives. That's how it works here at the Two Beers, Please. I didn't, I didn't know that much to do. But, yeah. uh, you know, who they don't know that. Well, I guess yeah, they do exactly. now. But, um, <laughs> shoot. Um, no, but uh, Could have been it was a but too late. Yeah, we, we let you guys know things. Let's be honest. We we have no filter with you all. We we tell you how it is. Um, and one Amen. day we'll get. And one day we'll get canceled for it. And that's just what we're waiting for. All right. So let's get into golf, Matthew. Uh, you know, it was a crazy, crazy tournament, I think. It, it kind of 
it wasn't a Dustin Johnson has the lead from start to finish tournament like last year. Uh, the action was pretty spread out. You know, the first round, I remember Justin Rose was killing it. And 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 Justin Rose, sorry. And Dustin Johnson finished at like two over. And you're like, oh, okay, that's that's looking a little weird. Tommy Fleetwood made that hole in one on the 16th, which was crazy. Uh, it's actually only the 32nd in Masters history. Um, but yeah, Justin Rose looked like he would, he might take it. You know, he's, uh, twice the runner up and, um, you know, we, we know Justin Rose, he's been in the eye for a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, we go into the weekend, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, both missing the cut. Uh, so there we talked about Justin Johnson's not going to win again. We told you all, you should have believed us. He was like that. I told you it's more likely that he misses the cut than that. He wins twice in a row and lo and behold, (laughs) what happened? Um, so yeah, we, you know, kind of went into the weekend being like, who's got the upper hand and Saturday Hideki Matsuyama really took over. He had a bogey free round, only one of the week finished 11 under with a four shot lead going into Sunday. Uh, it wasn't just like a crazy runaway for him though, because like debutant Will Zalatoris, the, the, the rookie, I guess the master's rookie, as you want to call him, cut Matsuyama's lead to one. After Matsuyama hit a couple of bogeys, um, Matsuyama held on by a single stroke to win his first green jacket. He's actually the first Japanese male golfer to win a major championship and the first Asian-born golfer to win the Masters. Uh, a couple of other finishers, you know, Schaufla, Spieth tied for third. So Spieth was my pick. And your pick, John Rahm, tied for fifth. So really, guys, we did pretty damn well in, like, predicting. We both not got bad. top five. That is not bad at all, that we both both of our guys finished top five. I'm very proud of us. Uh, that, <laughs> I, needed the su- I needed the Sunday. I mean, Rahm played well. I mean, he was, e- he was like, even through three, but then, like, his, he was six under on Sunday and finished six under. So the Sunday saved me. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm quite impressed with us. Yeah, quite impressed. It'll uh, probably be the last time that happens. Right. That's never going to happen again, y'all. <laughs> that's never going to happen. If Will Zalatoris had won, I would have been like, yeah, I would have never would never guessed that. Um, but yeah, let's just uh, give a second, Matt. What do we think about our winner, Hideki Matsuyama? 29 years old, pro since 2013. Um, he's been around, but this was kind of not out of the blue, I would say, but unexpected. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's the fun thing with majors. And, and I was it was it was. I was disappointed in, in Xander Schauffele because we were so close to some like great, I mean, I know Zal Torres was close, but he never really, I, I didn't ever see him really catching Matsuyama. It seemed like Schauffele was about to give us some late Sunday drama. And then that tee shot on 16, right into the water. I like, I literally texted my uncle and like a couple of my buddies, like right before the 16th hole and was like, all right, sweet. Let's get some late Sunday drama. And then <laughs> bloop into the water. But you know, a, a well-deserved win for Matsuyama. As you said, he, he's been a terrific pro for, you know, about the last decade on the tour. One of those guys that even coming into to Masters weekend had a top 10 finish in every single major. Um, so, you know, one of those guys that who, who is kind of just always, always there, um, but hadn't had, you know, quite a win like this and it put it all together really on the Saturday, which we talked about it when we talked about this Masters. Like, you don't see a wire to wire win in majors like Justin Johnson doing that last year was crazy. Like they are not last. I guess. Yeah. I guess technically it was still last year. Um, it's, you know, it's just not something you see really. I, I always think like Saturday is the day where you can kind of take, because Matsuyama's worst round was Sunday. Um, but he, but he played so well on, on Saturday and, and then was able 
to once once you're able to kind of like get that lead, then you can kind of play a little safer game and, and maybe not take as many risks. He didn't have to, you know, go for any birdies or eagles or such. He, he just kind of play his game and let it come to him. And, uh, you know, just a, a terrific weekend of golf for him. He played well each day. And, and as you said, it's always cool to see a bit of history um, with him becoming the first Japanese golfer to win a major, let alone a master. And and I think particularly in the, in the current climate we have in this country with with the, you know, atrocious hate crimes that have been committed against the Asian community. Um, obviously, this doesn't make any of that better, really. Um, but a, a small silver lining in, in, you know, in the wake of, of stuff that is just pretty sickening. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's a, a great win for Matsuyama. And I thought it was funny too, because we talked about DJ saying to the media that probably nine under would win and Matsuyama was 10 under. So it, it always amazes me like how smart and, and just like how these golfers can like see how a weekend's going to go. They're like, I, I mean, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to play that, but like, this is probably how it's going to play out. And they, they are, they're soup stayers at times. They are. Yeah. I forgot that you did say that. So uh, yeah, I, it was definitely a good, a good win. You know, it's his, it's his first uh, major championship win. He hasn't won another one. He finished second in the 2017 U.S. Open. Uh, so it is a little bit like statistically a little bit of a surprise. You expect like him have won one of the other ones. Uh, his highest ranking was second in that in June of 2017. So right around that finish. Um, but he'll definitely relish this win. Uh, you know, still 29 years old since it's a lot of time to really get after it. So I, I wish Hideki Matsuyama nothing but success going forward. Hopefully he can take this and really become a dominant force. That's the thing. Whenever you see golfers kind of take their first major championship, you want them to be in these like upper echelon. You want them to push, you know, the, you know, past the Rory McIlroy's into like this new generation. Cause I feel like it's been the same names at the top for a little bit now. Um, so we'll see if that can happen. Uh, but a really great tournament all around. Uh, really great to have masters golf back. Uh, Matt. Well, and you know, I mean, off of that too, Tiger Woods has ruined our idea of what like golf is because we expect even like when Spieth went off and won a few majors, we're like, Oh, now he's about to dominate majors. That's not how it happens. Like that's part of why Tiger Woods is so great. The fact that he was able to dominate majors so much and win so many, they're tough to win. And golf is a tough game to play, you know, four straight rounds of solid golf. Even the best in the world can't do it. They have, they have off days. Like we saw Justin Rose have a great first round, but you got to have four solid rounds. Um, so it, it is one of those things. And, and I, sometimes people don't like the fact that there isn't sort of tiger guy or that he, they are that's dominating. I'm of, of the, the opposite opinion. I think it's awesome that we get to see a, a much more re- revolving door of major winners and, and guys that have, you know, the biggest wins of their careers. And, and I think that's, I think that makes golf more exciting personally. Right. It's almost as if the competition and like the unpredictability that anyone can win from the top to the bottom makes it a sport. It's almost like that's how sports works, but uh, we'll get back to that later. Matt, if you were predicting next masters winner, who you, who you put money on it for next, the next tournament that comes around. I don't, I don't freaking know. <laughs> I, Make a guess. I mean, the only thing, the only thing that I like about about making this pick is I don't freaking know even if it was right before the Masters. So I'm gonna go with uh, with Tony Finau. I like I, he's a you know a guy who who seems to kind of be in the mix of of almost every major 
uh, just kind of consistent finisher near the top. He's got a top 10 finish in every single major. Um, and it just kind of seems like one of those players that is about to about to get his, you know, big time win um, in the career. So I'm going to go with Tony Finau. Who are you picking? Well, Oh, I'm sticking with the pick I had this time. I'm going Jordan Spieth. I think that he's just, you know what? I believe in Spieth. I'm going to believe in Spieth. You know why? Because he had such a good, like, momentum going into the tournament. And then what he does, he finishes tied for third. He does great. So there, I thought that that was big for him. Right. I think so, too. So I think it's just going to continue his his confidence. And if he can keep his confidence up, I think we see a resurgence. And that's why I'm putting my money on him. Not actual money, because that would be crazy. But, you know. You probably get some really good odds right now. <laughs> right. Probably, right? <laughs> oh, God. No, but I, I agree. Because, like, I think, too, like, especially when you're, like, the guy that's supposed to win the major. And like, there was so much talk about him coming into this weekend. It's so easy to have, like, a, just a bad weekend. And so, you know, obviously, he would have liked to win. It would have been great for him to win. But I, I, I agree. The fact that he, he played really well, finished third, still had a, a good showing. I think that was awesome, and and hopefully he gets back to kind of that the Jordan Speed performances that we saw a few years ago. Right, exactly. I I agree. I love Jordan Speed. Wishing you the best going forward. And with that, we move away from golf and into some general news from the other sports world. Alex Smith, the quarterback, first round pick from twenty. 20- not my brother. Not your brother. Not Alex. Well, that not Alex Phillip. Um, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't change his name. He didn't change his name. No, but the number one overall pick by the San Francisco 49ers in the 2005 NFL draft has retired. He spent eight seasons with the 49ers before being replaced by Colin Kaepernick, obviously famously in 2012 when they went to the lights out Super Bowl. Uh, he was then traded to Kansas City. I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> right? I, I I I was doing, when I was taking my notes, I was like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Ravens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. Yeah, for the sure. The game completely turned around. That was that was crazy. That was crazy. Um, yeah, but they he was traded to Kansas City where he went to play with Andy Reid and earned three Pro Bowl visits. Uh, in the 2017 season, you might remember he went off. He had 4,042 yards throwing, 26 touchdowns, and only five interceptions. Spent his final three years in Washington, where infamously he had a spiral fracture that nearly cost him his leg. Um, but he won Comeback Player of the Year award last year after coming back from that injury, um, helping Washington to the playoffs. You know, just all, all the respect to Alex Smith. The career ends on his terms after 16 great years in the NFL. There's nothing much more I can say. Just one of the most consistent uh, faces uh, at the quarterback position that aren't these big, big names like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. But past that, Alex Smith has been as consistent as ever anyone. Um, and, you know, just the fact that he gets to retire because he he wants to move on is is something we want to see and, and something we didn't think we would see a couple, you know, 18 months ago um, when he was still in recovery from that injury. Yeah, absolutely. And a career that has, like – a few kind of different legacies with it. I, I think my favorite thing about his retirement was I, I heard one quote he said was um, my kids are not ready for what I'm about to bring to the, the backyard, which I just love. Like it's such a, especially like a, a competitive father, just like we're about to go have a blast and I'm also probably going to beat them and everything. I, I just love that. But you know, I, you said it, there, there was the comeback from you know an injury that threatened his life. Uh, we never thought the guy could, would maybe walk again, let alone play in an NFL game. Then you have the fact that, you know, kind of helped prep the jobs for Patrick Mahomes and Colin Kaepernick, um, which is not an easy position for anyone to be in. Like, 
to play really well and kind of also know that like there's someone behind you that is better and is going to take your job. Like that takes a lot of grace, a lot of humility. For me though, I think the, the, the biggest legacy that I'll remember with Alex Smith is, you know, number one pick overall. And through his first six seasons, he was bad. I mean, he, he, it was kind of decided that Alex Smith was a bust. He, he just wasn't a good quarterback, especially when, when Rodgers took over for Green Bay and they were, you know, you were able to kind of compare, oh, shit, Packers got him at 23. They took Alex Smith at like, this guy's a bust. Harbaugh comes to, to San Francisco and kind of completely turns it around for him. 13-3 and in the first season has started then, as you said. Um, the, the next season kind of helping that team before Kaepernick took over to the to the um, Super Bowl. And then to have those three Pro, Pro Bowl seasons in in uh, Kansas City, it's you don't see that a lot. I mean, like most of the time you, you see, especially a quarterback, they go through five or six seasons to start their career of bad play. That's kind of all she wrote. And I think it's a testament to and we saw this throughout his career through a guy that just worked hard. And, and kind of kept the faith and, and kept the faith in his ability and stuff. Um, and, and it's it's pretty impressive that he that he was able to to completely change the narrative around his career. Right. Yeah. Just a testament to who he is, the competitor and uh, the motivational person that he is. So we wish him the best. Uh, yeah. I Alex Smith was one of those players um, when he, after the five, six seasons that he that he you're right. He had a bad start to the season, but. Uh, to his career, I mean. Um, but he's one of those players that just anytime we got on the field and he did well, I was like, Alex Smith, you and your your simple-ass name and your simple-ass face getting out here and, and making people look silly. Uh, it's uh, it's funny. You did know? you know that he played high school uh, football with Reggie Bush? Really? Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Nasty team. Nasty like, team. Alex Smith and Reggie Bush. That's not a team it I would have played. They were both. They were both Heisman finalists one year, and it's the first time that a high school's had two Heisman finalists. Damn, that's nuts. That's nuts how that works out. Sometimes you always hear like these eight players played in the same region. I was like, oh, right. dang, that must have been a crazy year. <laughs> how did anyone else even compete? <laughs> right, he just had like, oh man, yeah, but. Uh, Congratulations to Alex Smith on a wonderful career and a great ending chapter uh, in Washington. We wish you the best. Uh, we hope to see you. I, I would love to see him as an analyst on ESPN or something. I think he's got he's got the the brains and kind of personality to do it. Obviously, he's going to take care of his kids first and foremost. I love that he's a family man like that. Uh, but yeah, the sky the sky is the limit for him and, and what he wants to do from here on out. So um, you know, we wish him the best. If he if he works for uh, ESPN, his Instagram lives will be a little <laughs> bit different than Paul Pierce, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it'll 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 just be a bunch of kids in the background. The kid than... in a diaper instead of a stripper in a thong, you know. Yeah, I mean, do you? But yeah, yikes, <laughs> yikes. Yeah, I think uh, that's probably what I'll they're never, looking. I'll never drop the Paul Pierce story. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. <laughs> This is laugh that he did on his on his live. Oh my goodness! All right, we're moving on to basketball. Speaking of Paul Pierce, Gonzaga, you lost the national championship. That sucks. I'm sorry, Baylor took the took it to you. But don't worry, you landed the number one recruit uh, and the projected number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft, Chad Holgram. It's really funny because Devonta. Chad. Chet, that's my bad. Chet he's Holgram. Just, he's just, it's, it, dude, it's the year of the Chets. You got Chet Hanks, you got Chet Holgram. To be fair, it's a weird-ass name. Sorry, Chet, but. 
Yeah, that's why I put Chad, because I was like, there's no way his name is Chet. That's wrong. Um, no, I'm but, not the one that made the typo there. Chad is a normal name. <laughs> Chad is – that's your fault. Um, no, but uh, really, you know, really promising young player. He uh, he played in Minnehaha Academy, which is in Minnesota. So he chose Gonzaga over some Big Ten teams, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State. There were talks about him going to North Carolina or even the G League route, which you know we're going to see more and more now as the years uh, progress. But he does choose Gonzaga. Um, you know, he's this lanky, big ass center. He's seven foot one. He's got this enormous wingspan. He's versatile. He can shoot the three. I mean, I've heard that his pro comparison is like Kristaps Porzingis, which without if Kristaps Porzingis never had an injury, he'd be the best player in the NBA right now. So I I, I think that that's a great that company. A, that is a bold statement. If Kristaps if Christoph Porzingis, do you remember how good Kristaps Porzingis is before he got injured every thirty games? Best best player in the NBA. I got to keep you honest, Yannick. He wouldn't still. He wouldn't. I I get what you're saying. All right. I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna go ahead and assume you're speaking. I'm gonna go ahead and assume you're speaking hyperbolically. I am because it's 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 you know what it is. It's it's something that we will never know. So I can say whatever I want about it. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron James is still in the goddamn NBA. Right. Fair. You know, if if Chris Porzingis never got injured and LeBron James quit basketball, then he would be the best he, player in the NBA. Certainly. <laughs> oh, Scarlet. Oh, we got a dog in there. She's sitting at my, my feet today. She's Aww. recording with me. You guys are missing this this cute dog action over there. Um, no, but it's it's going to be really exciting to see what happens with Chet Holgram. And he joins a bunch of other ranked prospects at Gonzaga. So in my head, don't worry. You'll win soon. wasn't this year, but it'll be soon, Mark View. I mean, I, I don't think the AP poll is really going to change, right? They're going to be the preseason number one. It's um, – yeah, I mean, it was it was certainly the expected decision. I thought maybe there was, you know, the, I thought the only chance he wouldn't go to Gonzaga would maybe if he went G League, but it, that didn't really seem like something that he was going to do. Um, so I, I certainly would have been shocked if he'd gone anywhere besides Gonzaga. It's just been trending that way for for quite some time. And you know, I, th- I think it's it's really a, the story for me is of just the continuing establishment of Gonzaga as a basketball powerhouse, because getting a, a top overall recruit is, is a big thing. And, you know, Suggs was a, it was a great recruit and he was probably the biggest recruit they ever got. Holmgren is, is bigger is a bigger signing than that. Um, so it just kind of keeps establishing the program. And, it, and it's kind of like what I said after the, the championship game, I'm not entirely sure we'll ever see Baylor do that again uh, and, and, you know, get to the championship game and have a, a team like that. Gonzaga is going to, and and this is just a sign of it. And it might even be next year with him coming there because he is, like you said, he's he's like a Przingis. He's he's a tough matchup nightmare. I'm sure there will be a little bit of, of adjustment because he is pretty thin. But so is Kevin Durant as a freshman. And, and you know, if you if you're skilled enough, uh, it sometimes doesn't matter. And then obviously a guy like Holmgren, he's he's playing against some already pretty big dudes on the AAU circuit. It's it's not like he's never been tested physically. So uh, yeah, the, the future is still quite bright over there in Spokane. Yeah, I would say, I would say so. And uh, man, yeah, Gonzaga, I, they're just going to keep winning, aren't they? Mark few hate that, but you know, good for you. I love it. I love it. 
Good for you. You know what? I actually thought, you know, I, 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 there was part of me that was like, nah, but you know, played in Minnesota. His dad played for Minnesota. I thought maybe he ends up in Minnesota. You never know. I, I think there's a lot of history there. So even though I was like, he won't, why would he go to Minnesota? I would, there was a little part of me that was scared that was like, oh God, don't go to Minnesota. I don't want to yeah. play you. Don't I don't want to play you. Michigan. Yeah, that's another one uh, that would have been. He would have gone. I can't remember if Michigan was in his final six, but that would have been. Whew, they already have a really good class coming in. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, he averaged a double double um, last year, and he shoots almost eighty one percent from the field. So just to give you like a, an indicator of this guy's like shooting accuracy, you know, alongside his skill. Uh, every time I watch Kevin Durant now in the NBA, I'm like, how is that dude bodying up people? He's so skinny. Um, so, you know, Kevin Durant doesn't like the Slim Reaper nickname. I'm sure Chet Holgram will take it. Um, I hope he does. I uh, That always, it's always upsets me that KD doesn't like that. It's the yeah. sweetest nickname ever. Like, you are skinny, dude. I don't, I don't know what you want. It's a cool nickname. We're, we're, it's less about you being skinny and more about you being a killer. Yeah, you're a killer. You come and you're skinny and you stab people and they die. And that's how it works. Um, no, but uh, really excited to see what Chet Holgram does. Do you think he's projected number one in the in, in the in the uh, draft for the year after he goes to college? You think you think that'll hold up? That's another kind of too soon to call. But what do we think? What do we I, feel about I his mean, prospect? This one, this one, this one actually does. I, I think he probably will be because. For for a few reasons. One, he is so made for the modern NBA. I mean, he's a seven-foot center, but he, he really is more of a four, a guy that can get stretched to the floor. He's got good handles. He can take it to the rack. So he, he really is just so perfect for the NBA. And also, this recruiting class, it, it's not quite like the, the class that we've got coming out um, this year with, with Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Kaminga, um, the other – I can't blank it on the other guy who went to the G League, but – you know, there was like five guys that who I think all would at least have an argument at being the best prospect. Holmgren seems pretty obviously the the most talented uh, player in this class. So I I do think he'll he'll stay that top prospect in, until next year. Well, there you go. There you have it, Chet Holmgren. Where you look forward to watching you in college basketball. Uh, some Hawkeye news: CJ Frederick has answered has entered the transfer portal, which is disappointing uh to hear um but we'll see was, what happens it was one of those times where i'm like I'm, I'm very upset but i support the transfer portal and allowing these players to do whatever the hell they want or you know giving them more freedom so i can't be that upset about it and you know i i think from from cj's perspective because at first i was like man what do you do like why you know maybe maybe he takes a look at that iowa roster it's going to be pretty young next year it's it's probably going to be a year of, of kind of developing with losing Luca and, and Wies camp and hopefully J Bo. Um, uh, but you know, maybe looked at that roster and was like, Hey, can I go somewhere that's going to be a little more competitive right now so that I can really maximize my time in college. So very sad to see CJ leave, but I, I hope he gets, you know, I hope he goes somewhere where he can absolutely kill it. And I'll certainly still be cheering him on next year. Right. As long as you don't go to a big 10 team, CJ, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Then I won't be supporting you. Then I yeah. will be actively Go to against like Kentucky. you. Go be like a Tyler Hero at Kentucky. Right. That would be exactly. Dope. Exactly. Or you know, go to go to go to Texas. Join what's his name there. Do do that. 
Chris Beard is the transfer god. I remember when Hoiberg was at Iowa State that like he was great with the transfers and, and obviously helped turn Iowa State like so quickly around with the transfers. And I was like, man, this guy, he knows how to work the transfer portal. Chris Beard is world's better. Chris Beard is so good with the transfer portal. Yeah, and now that more people are entering it, he's only gonna get better as the options kind of grow. So uh, you know, we'll see how that works out. All right. Moving on to a firing, not a retiring, a firing. Jose Mourinho has said bye-bye. He has been let go by Spurs. It's his first time in two decades that um, he leaves a club without a trophy. He came to Tottenham with the aim of winning silverware and keeping Tottenham in the Champions League. That obviously did not happen. This season, he lost 13 games. He's he's had 13 losses already, is what I mean, which is the most ever for him. Um, you know, there was a, a bit of frustration from the team with his knack of calling out team players after defeats. Um, infamously, he called out Dembele, I remember, after one game in a, like, a really disgusting fa- fashion. Um, you know, and, and Tottenham currently sit seventh in the Premier League. They're five points off for the top four, despite being in like second place contention at some point earlier in the season. Uh, they play Manchester City in the EFL Cup this final. And the Euro Super League got announced 12 hours before he was let go. So one wonders why make this decision now with so few games still left in the season and a final coming up. You know, one wonders, you know, what happened that they had to make it now and couldn't wait like a week or two. And it's not like they had another person in, in tow. Ryan Mason, Chris Powell have been appointed on an interim basis. So it's not like... You know, there was questions about, you know, that he would leave and maybe Brandon Rogers would leave Leicester for Spurs. Um, but that's not what's happened so far. So it's interesting. The deci- the timing of the decision is interesting, but I think we can all agree, you know, two years was enough for, for Jose and in, um, in London with Tottenham. What do we think? Yeah, I mean, you know, I before the season, I predicted he'd be fired. I'll have to admit, it, it took a lot longer for him to be fired than I expected. I didn't see him making <laughs> over 30 matches, um, but he did kind of have them moving in the right direction. And you, you probably have to wonder, I mean, this is, it's, it's a critique of a club because you shouldn't have to rely on, on too many, like on a couple players, but the injuries with Harry Kane and, and such, the, the, the reliance that that team had so much on Kane and Son, Son, that if they, you know, had both stayed healthy, maybe things would have fallen a different way. But, you know, you, like I said, if you're a good manager, you should be able to kind of withstand um, or if you're a good team, you should be able to withstand. I mean, that's part of the reason I worry about Manchester United because without Bruno Fernandez, we look very, very different. Um, it's, you know, that's, that's the gap between the really great teams and the teams that are, are good. But I think the firing, I think it just has to come down to how kind of toxic Jose Mourinho has become. And we saw it in Manchester United. Uh, and, and really it's just like, since he left Inter for Real Madrid, I don't, I don't know if it was, him getting hired at Real Madrid, where then the ego was so expanded. I don't know if obviously Real Madrid is a pretty toxic kind of environment in itself. So I don't know if maybe that is what kind of made this guy into how, I mean, because you, it, you know, you look at the, the first decade of the, the 2000s and easily the best manager in the world. The, the guy was incredible winning Champions League with Porto, the, the treble with Inner. The things he did with Chelsea, he was untouchable. I mean, the special one. You don't get a nickname like that without having some, you know, lots of success. 
And then the last decade with Real, the second stint at Chelsea, Manchester United, and Tottenham, and it's just been a swing and a miss at, at every single time. And it, it seems like one of those guys, too, that has had so much success where now he is incapable of looking within himself and being like, all right, what can I do do better? It's It's always, it's your problem. It's your problem. You did something wrong. And never, what can I do better for the club? Uh, I'm sure he'll get hired again somewhere if he wants a job. I, I'm not sure where, but <clears throat> still, that, that's, you know, that's soccer managerial stuff. Like guys do change around a lot and get fired after poor performances and, and such and such. But it, it I mean, I, his his time's done. He, he's not the Jose of old and he hasn't been for a while. I agree. I like don't like people were freaking out about this firing and. You know, maybe it's the first time he hasn't won silverware, but it's not like he's won any really important silverware in a little bit. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. I, well, especially so. with the Real Madrid thing, once he left Real Madrid, and then we see Zinedine Zidane win four Champions Leagues in five years, it's, clearly the, the, the ability and everything was there to get it done. Like, uh, that, like, how do you not knock the guy for not being able to to get it done? Right, exactly. And um, we, <clears throat> you said at the beginning of the season, we prefaced it, before the the season started that we think his time is over and and it is and I think there's no love loss uh either way I think he didn't quite like the team I don't think the team quite liked him he'll get hired again he should go to Italy because stuff like that that flies in Italy that kind of personality stuff so that's where he should go um and enjoy you know being the person that he is I agree I think he could still be a great coach if he looked inward but that's not how that works. Louis Van Hall didn't look inward and look where he is now. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. how it that's how it works. Um and uh you know, it just it it every coach has that when they go through enough success, their their style is so cemented that this is the right way that they're unwilling to make any changes and that's not what makes a good coach. You have to adapt as a coach. The and, game the uh, game changes. It just does. Like over a 20 year span of a coach, the game is going to change. Right. I mean, look at Joachim Löw, right? The Germany national coach. Took his team to the World Cup final, won it finally, you know, had his team at the above the world. But then the World Cup happened. And what did he do? He blamed his senior players rather than changing the system. He banned Thomas Muller, Jerome Boateng, Mats Hummels. Thomas Muller was not the problem. Thomas Muller is doing great at Bayern right now. Mats Hummels, not the problem. Even Jerome Boateng, I would, you know, say not the problem. Um, but he blamed it on them rather than wanting to change his system. And so, uh, and he's going to go now after this Euros, and I'm happy to see him go too because I think his he's also kind of fallen into that trap. It happens all the time with football managers, um, and it's just we've seen it happening with Jose Mourinho. So this is not surprising. I think Spurs will be better off for it. I would love if Brendan Rodgers came to Spurs. I think he's got a right head on his shoulders. I think that he could be the team to really make the most out of them. Uh, there's some other reports about who might come but i think they're also connected to other teams so they're just kind of in that discussion always but we'll see who uh dons the manager's cap for the spurs next um it'll be i I would love i would love for it to just be ryan mason yes (laughs) youngest youngest manager in premier he's my age he's 29 (laughs) years old like he is a child that'd be funny and then he just goes on to win it all yeah, uh, immediately change, turns Tottenham into the dominant team in England. If they're even going to play in England. Right, there you go. My goodness. All right, 
Let's go on. We'll we'll save that talk for a little bit. Let's talk. I love how each almost each topic though we we at least hit a little bit of just like and also we're still really fucking pissed about the Super League. Yeah, you guys need to listen to that part of the episode. Stick with us. We're getting to it. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, another star, not of the NFL, but the NBA, has retired. Really underappreciated star. Kind of like Alex Smith, an underappreciated star, I would say. Um, You know, average 19.4 points per game, 8.2 rebounds per game in a 15-year career. He was actually 50 points shy of 20,000 points. So he, you know, he definitely did work uh, in scoring. He made seven trips to the All-Star game. Uh, He was a University of Texas star went on to be a beast for the Portland Trailblazers to the point where Dame Lillard has called for his number number to be retired. Um, and then he went to the Western Conference Finals uh, with the San Antonio Spurs. Obviously, that was the infamous Kawhi injury series. Uh, what might have been had Kawhi not uh, injured himself in that series. Um, and, you know, it looked like it looked like he was ready to be a champ with the Brooklyn Nets. It looked like it might be so. It looked like it. Um but obviously, that will not be the case. He has actually had an irregular heartbeat his whole career, which is interesting. I think, I think if they win, he still gets a ring. Yeah, I think so. So I believe, I believe, like, because I remember Anderson Verjao. There was the one year he played for the Warriors and the Cavaliers, and they were like, whoever wins this game, like this title, Anderson Verjao will technically have the right to do a ring. There you go, and he would deserve it. He would deserve it. So I, I think so. Yeah, hell yeah. But uh, he retires because of an irregular heartbeat, which he's been dealing with his whole career. Um, And, you know, I have nothing but respect for the guy putting his family first after kind of a scary situation in which he had to go out of a game because his uh, arrhythmia was acting up. That stuff's scary. So I, I like, totally understand it. Um, You know, I it's it's kind of a shocking retirement, but I do wish him the best of luck, Uh, respect to his decision and respect to a great career by LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah, I mean, a, a guy who, it, whenever anybody has to walk away because of, of health reasons like that, it always it always just sucks because you know LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't want to. You know LaMarcus Aldridge wants to keep playing basketball, but you, you have to respect and, and certainly feel for him to have to walk away from the game that he loves because of that, and, and certainly glad that he's taking care of himself. It, it has been a great career, and um, you know, a, a, a kind of quintessential power forward throughout his career kind of some tough breaks you know if Brandon Roy doesn't get injured maybe the Trailblazers have have a little more success by the time like you said you mentioned the Spurs series and kind of once he got to the Spurs and, and after all that happened the Spurs I think what I think he was expecting the Spurs to keep on being the kind of dynasty that we expected them to be and then you know with the Kawhi drama that never really happened for him um and you know never was in in Portland when Dame really became as talented as he has. So, so some tough breaks uh, along the way, but a terrific player, uh, a guy who I've always really loved watching. I, I go back and forth on whether or not I think he's a hall of famer. I think my heart wants to say yes. I think my brain says he's not. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I understand that people have been putting his numbers next to other people who are in the hall of fame. They're like, his numbers are better. Um, I don't agree with that. I think that, it's more than numbers. We all know it's more than numbers. It's always been more than numbers. And while LaMarcus Aldridge has been a great player, that's like saying, okay, is Nikola Jokic a Hall of Famer right now? Not yet. Not yet. So yeah. it's like if Nikola Jokic had the same, you know, he played well, maybe he wins. 
not even he doesn't win MVP. Let's say he keeps going. He doesn't win an MVP. He's a pretty consistent contributor, and then he retires. He wouldn't be a Hall of Famer, even though right now we're like, oh, but Nikola Jokic so good. You know, like that's not. It's just not a, just about being good. It's about the legacy you leave in the league. And, you know, it has to do some with championships. It has to do some with dominance. And it has to do some with the the impact you had on your teams. And while he was a great player for the teams he played for, he took none of those teams to the finals. And he had good stats. He didn't have amazing stats. He didn't average 16 rebounds a game or tw- more than 20 points a game. You know, he was a great player. He's not a Hall of Famer. He just isn't. Yeah. I, I, I would love I would love to have him a Hall of Famer, but that's not Agreed. how the Hall of Fame works. And, and, and like, if, if LaMarcus Aldridge like, got into the Hall of Fame, I don't think I'd be like upset and I'd be like, this is unbelievable. How dare he get elected? But I don't really think he deserves it. And like even just going off the Jokic comparison, I think there's also something to be said about like how you play the game, how you impact the game. If you look at LaMarcus Aldridge's stats of, you know, 19 points a game, 8.2 rebounds, two assists the thing that Jokic you could argue and you know and this is after his full career not right now is that might be the greatest passing center we've ever seen and that's something to more hang your hat on with the hall of fame than any sort of stats and and, and like you said it's it's so much more than stats especially now because like the nba they score at an exorbitant rate compared to 30 40 years ago like they didn't they just didn't score as much back then so yeah he's going to have a lot more points than a lot of the greats back then because like we just said about soccer, the game changes. Right, exactly. And, you know, I think we also have to normalize just because someone's not in the Hall of Fame doesn't mean they shouldn't be respected and remembered. I Amen. think that has, that has to be normalized because I think we make that about – it's like the NFL. Hall of Fame or nothing. Right, it's not that. Like Roddy White from the NFL should not be in the Hall of Fame. I know he's up for the Hall of Fame. Roddy White should, but that doesn't mean we can't remember Roddy White as a great Falcons receiver. That doesn't mean we can't remember that. Like I love, you know who I think is great and I'll always remember? Danny Woodhead. Remember Danny Woodhead from the Patriots? I love Danny Woodhead. Is he a Hall of Famer? No, he's not. Shit, Jan, Jan, now that we're here, is Edelman a Hall of Famer? I hate, I hate it's a, that's, it's the yeah. NCAA, that's a tough question for you because that's a lot of heart answer from you, which I totally understand. Okay. Like, so from, here's from, from just a, from a non, he's not, if he wasn't a receiver, if he played any other position, we wouldn't even be talking about him being a possible hall of famer. Right. And like, here's the thing. People will point to the Super Bowl wins, which you have to take into account that he played for Tom Brady. Those teams wouldn't have gone anywhere without Tom Brady. It's like it's like giving Steve Kerr a Hall of Fame, you know. Was Steve Kerr good? Yes, as a player. But like it's it's right. Know, his his five, his four rings in a row weren't because Steve Kerr, it's because he played with Jordan and then the, the Spurs, 100%. Ex- absolutely, you know. And and also then they'll point to the Super Bowl MVP, which is like did he do great in that game? Yes, but he wasn't the one coming back from 28 to 3. He made a crazy catch. He helped Brady down the line. He's been Brady's right-hand man, but honestly, he doesn't deserve to be the Hall of Fame and neither does Wes Welker. Like I just for well, me, you know, Deion Branch, Deion Branch has a Super Bowl MVP. Right. He's not exactly. in the Hall of Fame. Des- Desmond Howard has a Super Bowl MVP for the Packers. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Like the Super Bowl MVP is one and the One Super Bowl game. MVP is, is a lot different than like finals MVP because finals MVP, you have to be the best for a whole series. It, it, Super Bowl MVP is you you impacted this game in the most like, important way. 
Right. I mean, let's be honest. In that Rams Patriots Super Bowl, if if uh, Chris Hogan had caught an eighty nine yard touchdown in the in the fourth quarter to win it, he would have been Super Bowl MVP. So what? He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Like, that's yeah. not how that works. Um, no, I love Julian Edelman. He deserves to be in the Patriots Hall of Fame. Yes, he does. Hundred percent. He is. Hundred percent. He is in my heart forever. Love you. Love you, Squirrel. Uh, so happy for what you did for us. But he was a punt returner that we had. We turned into receiver just because we needed a receiver. It turned out great. Don't get me wrong. But there's a reason that that we were like we have no receivers. That included Julie, saying Julian Edelman was there. Uh, that included him. If Julian Edelman is your best receiver, that's I mean, not a there, thing. Was there ever a season where like people were like, "Hey, Julian Edelman might be a Pro Bowler or an All Pro player this year"? No, no. He's he's a he's a terrific situational player. And and I agree with you. He's what he's he's a Patriot all time great, and probably even a playoff all time great. But he's not an NFL Hall of Famer. He reminds me of Cole Beasley. If Cole Beasley got to play with Tom Brady, you know what I mean? Like if Cole Beasley got to play with Tom Brady, he would have four rings, and he would be a Super Bowl MVP. Like he's yeah. a great slot receiver, a great tenacious little guy. Um, but you know, in my heart, it, he's 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 in my he's in my Hall of Fame. And even Wes Welker had like I think he one at least one point he might still have I think he had like the most receptions in a season like it, it, the Hall of Fame is yeah you know it's it's, it's a tough it's reserved. always a tough thing and it's but it's like you kind of have you have to look at I, I think sometimes with the Hall of Fame and, and we're probably even doing this right now is just like well they check this box but it's it's just not that easy it, it's it's such a you have to look at just like the full encompassing career uh, in, in every single aspect and you can't just be like well they did this better than that person who's in the hall of fame so they're in the hall of fame well that's not really you can't just compare as apples and oranges you know yeah i mean you know what julian edelman kind of reminds me of like in 50 years when i'm watching tv with my kids and there's like a a, a like trivia question with like this receiver nicknamed the squirrel helped tom brady to his four four of his six super bowl rings and they're like, I'm like, Julian Edelman. And then they think I'm cool because I know a name that nobody knows anymore. Like, that's yeah. what it reminds me of. Like, he's going to be he's gonna be one of those players that, like, the true fans know about. Like, oh, Julian Edelman, man. He was the guy. Right, exactly. So, you know, it, I, I just think it's like Jordy Nelson, right? Do you remember how good Jordy Nelson was? Like, just ridiculously good. Jordy Nelson was, like, the guy for a couple of years. But, you, you know, the Hall of Fame... It's like we said, like there are the average players. There are the great players that deserve to be remembered. And then in the upper, upper, upper echelon, you have the Hall of Fame. And that's what yeah. it should be. If Reggie Wayne is not in the Hall of Fame, Julian Edelman should not be in the Hall of Fame. That is just the truth. Yeah. And Reggie, Reggie should get there at some point. I he actually, so I, I had to look, I had to compare because once you said Wes Welker, I, I had to compare the two careers. Um, Wes Welker never did win a Super Bowl with the Patriots while Julian has three. But Wes Welker, five-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, and led the NFL in receptions three times. Julian Edelman has none of that. Right. Like that, you know that's what? a more impactful yeah. player than Julian Edelman in a, in a whole. Right. And, like, I, I think they both, for opposite reasons, have um, – don't have a case for the Hall of Fame. I think Wes Welker has the personal stats, but needs like the ring to in order to be there. Like I think he would have to have been more dominant statistically without the ring to get there. Uh, and I think Julian Edelman needs the personal stats, even though he has the accolades. 
Um, so, you know, it's a little bit of everything. I don't think either of them should be on the Hall of Fame. They're both in my Hall of Fame. Uh, but that's that's a personal take. And uh, I think, you know, like, like, like I said, let's just normalize. There can be great players. They don't have to be in the Hall of Fame. That's That should be reserved for for real hall of famers like the people that you know just the people that have changed the game forever and 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 just dominated on a level that is you know deserves to be enshrined you know that's like what it should be and um the name is a name that should echo throughout like eternity of the sport not not just uh, like you said you could have you can have a, a terrific great career and be a terrific football player Having a Hall of Fame, there's it's there's something a little, or at least there should be a little something more to it. And and yeah, I I, I agree too. Or it's like just because somebody's not in the Hall of Fame doesn't mean they weren't a great player and and impacted the game a lot. Like it's not it's not an either or. Right. I mean, you think about it. The top three receivers right now: Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. None of them have careers right now that make me feel like they should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'd say I'd say Julio does. I'd say Julio does. I'd say I'd say DeAndre's on his way. I think Devontae's got a little work to do. I think DeAndre will get there. I think Julio's there. Okay, cool. But like that's what I'm saying. I there's questions about those three. If there's questions about those three, then Julio, Julian Edelman doesn't deserve to be in the conversation. Well, and like and like you know, Julio Jones has been one of has been one of the top three receivers for the last decade. Like, it's not, it's not like he's like, that's why Devontae's got work to do. Devontae might be the best receiver right now. It's not a couple of years of being the best. It's, it's a, you know, a full, you know, now, now I am trying to put certain check marks to it, but it, you get the point. Yes, we got the point. Uh, it's a conversation we'll continue to have as more players retire uh, through the podcast history. Um, but yeah. Yeah, we, we started off talking about LaMarcus Aldridge, so let's 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 button it with this. Thank you, LaMarcus Aldridge, for all you did for basketball. Uh, we hope you get that ring for your sake and for Matt's sake um, at the end of this NBA season. Uh, we'll see what they're happens. Gonna lose, they're going to lose in the semifinals. That's all my teams do. That's all they do. In the conference semifinals or like in like the yeah, – In the Western Conference Finals or the Eastern oh, the West- Conference. I don't know why East- I moved them to the West. The Eastern Conference, the, you know, the technical semifinal of the tournament. Okay, well, you heard it here. Jason Tatum drops 40 on the Nets to go to the finals. <laughs> oh, Celtics. Didn't, didn't say that. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, they're fifth. They've, they've climbed a little bit. They had a six-game win streak. Um, no, but uh, yeah. Thank you, LaMarcus Aldridge. And uh, everyone who's listening, tune in to the next half of our podcast. We will be talking finally about the Euro Super League. <laughs>